You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go hello and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football round table podcast it is friday the last friday before the nfl season officially begins and we are going to be looking at our top 24 wide receivers and our top 10 tight ends uh, before that, we'll get to a little bit of news and a special offer from our partners at DraftKings. But before we do any of that, Dennis, it's not kickoff for the NFL season, but uh, as your jersey indicates, it's a kickoff for the college season. How are you feeling heading into this Labor Day weekend? I'm feeling fantastic. I got three days off, lots of college football going on. I'll get my... Uh, my preseason rankings up on fantasynation.com. Get those finalized. I've got lots of articles to get edited and set up for next week as we head into our uh, first week of NFL football. And tomorrow night, we got Ohio State whooping the snot out of Notre Dame. What could go wrong? That Hey, my kid's playing fall ball and baseball, and he's looking pretty good. And starting, He's starting to get the itch to play a little bit of football, too. Uh, he's talking about playing tight end. Before he was all frustrated because he couldn't play quarterback. And I'm like, dude, you're like six foot three and 225 pounds, and you're in the third grade. They're not going to let you hit people, man. Um, but no, he's looking at it now. He's like, he's starting to do some footwork drills, trying to work on his footwork and uh, get in better condition. And he's like, no, maybe I can wear that helmet, put on the old scarlet and gray, and go play for them silver bullets. Um, 
looking to have a great weekend. I, uh, I'm going to try to, I've got drafts. We got a draft coming up Monday. I've got drafts over the next five days and some I'm woefully unprepared for. And uh, I'm just trying to, you know, live my best life for fantasy football. Yeah, I had a draft yesterday that was kind of fun. All right, we did our uh, work draft, had a little pizza and and did a work draft. Uh, then I had to meet the, um, as you know, as I've told other people, the oven died while I was making uh, dinner after we got off the air last Friday. And um, I was pretty sure I checked the breakers and everything went fine. <laughs> but uh, when the service repairman came uh, on Thursday, He's like, uh, you know, you have a blown breaker. And I was like, I did not know that because I probably would have done, tried that myself. So the good news is it's fixed. The bad news is, well, I'm an idiot. Let's hope this weekend. Happens to the best of us. <laughs> hey, at least I did get to, uh, I was worried because um, I'm a huge fan of the movie Jaws. And if you like the movie Jaws, it re-released in theaters this weekend. Um, if you anywhere where you have a major theater chain, all tickets tomorrow are three dollars uh, because it's National Cinema Day. Uh, but they re released Jaws. I have never, uh, having not been born in 1975, I had never seen it on the big screen, so I did get to go see that. That made me feel a little bit better about missing the breaker. Did you, uh, did it, did it meet your expectations? It did. It was in. I saw it in XD, and they only offered it in 3D. And I wasn't wild at first about 3D, but it was kind of like floating in the water with the shark. Uh, so I did. I did end up enjoying that. You know what else made me feel a little bit better about my day yesterday was seeing a gigantic five-year extension for Denver's newest quarterback, Russell Wilson. Uh, now the second highest paid quarterback in football, but ironically, a lot of his comments were he left money on the table so Denver could sign people. So a little curious about that. But uh, what do you think, Dennis? Uh, Denver has been in the quarterback desert since Peyton Manning hung it up. Good move? Yeah. I, it, from everything we've seen of Russell Wilson throughout his career, he's been one of the top quarterbacks in the league. If I'm sitting in your seat, I'm delighted. You've got three young wide receivers, a young tight end. It seems like the defense is starting to come together a little bit. They've invested some draft capital over the last few years in the offensive line. Uh, you just need it to gel a little bit, and you've got a guy that can hold the team together and make plays with his legs. He's got an exceptional arm, um, throws a very nice deep ball. Uh, if I'm you, I'm – thinking you're in the in the run i mean the biggest downside you have is you know you play in the same division as the chiefs and the chargers right now i know he does look like the old man of afc west uh, quarterbacks which is ironic uh just because of how young uh Herbert well, car would look old are. as well if he'd stop wearing eyeliner <laughs> but the contract ties russell wilson to the broncos until he is 40 um you know which is We'll have to see if he if he even plays that long. I was I was pretty excited. I was laughing a little bit uh, of the naysayers on the Broncos message boards are like he hasn't even thrown a pass yet. How do we know he's good? Like he hasn't thrown a pass here. I don't know. You know, are you? Can you get a TV? Can you just pull up like the sad recording you made of Super Bowl Forty Eight? Maybe right. watch that one a few times. Oh, man. Some people you can never please. The fan bases are one of them. Uh, the other thing is, uh, obviously, between uh, 
when we were last on the air and now we've gone through cut down day. Everybody had to get down to the initial final 53 and uh, some teams have made tweaks. I don't know. Some of the teams you follow, Denver made a few tweaks after they got down to 53. There's always some heartbreaking things, especially when you follow your local team uh, or if you watch Hard Knocks. Um, I was, you know, you're cheering, you watch it on Tuesday night when they're cheering for David Blau and how he managed to win, win the game. And like 20 minutes before that episode aired, they I think they had published the news he got cut, or it was, I, I watched it the day after. It was like the morning. The morning after he got cut, but Dennis, any uh, cuts that surprised you? Um, not. I wouldn't say there were any that were earth shattering to me. It seems like there were a couple teams that surprised me with you know they just basically cut all the quarterbacks except their starter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Dallas, that speaks Detroit. You know, Detroit. Yeah. I think it, it, I got to be. I sat here, as, you know. I'm I'm a Detroit fan from birth and adopted the Browns, and I I hate the Steelers. And I sat here and uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, I I think it, I heard rumors of Detroit maybe trying to get Mason Rudolph, and I thought, well, he's definitely an upgrade over the two guys they got. Uh, I know they're they seem to be Instead, all did in. You see who they got? <laughs> they no, oh, I did. Yeah. I'm not now, sure I that's thought, better than David Blau, let's be honest. I, I actually I I got to watch Sudfeld in college because he was in the Big Ten. And when he was with the Eagles, I felt like he did a decent job. Um, you know, for whatever reason, you know, Blau is a he's a hot and cold. And when he's cold, man, it's ugly. Um it was a I, it was a tough cut down day for some running backs, though. Your your boy Marlon Mack didn't make it. Matt's uh, man crush Abram Smith getting released uh, in New Orleans. I feel like there was uh, Trey Sermon survived the initial fifty three day only to get cut for a backup offensive lineman. You know, I don't know that that was necessarily a surprise um, when you have John Lynch coming out and saying, "Well, he was like the best guy in our training." you know, all training camp when, you know, he pretty much, it, he's been in the doghouse just about every day since he arrived in San Francisco. So him getting cut when they had, uh, who's that guy, Jordan Mason, the other unsigned free agent they got. And, and they know what Jeff Wilson is and they know what Elijah Mitchell is. And I, I, I think they just felt like uh, it, it would be, be better for, for all parties if he got a fresh start. You know, he lands in Philadelphia where potentially he can take on that uh, Jordan Howard role as the banger because he is a big guy. Um, and and he gets a fresh start somewhere. Uh, I don't know that it's going to amount to anything. You know, the Texans did sign Marlon Mack to their practice squad. And then when they, they also uh, went out and got OJ Howard, which yeah, uh, and then they further killing Brevin Jordan, Jordan roster. So they they cut Mac and kept Royce Freeman. Look, and, and then they cut Royce Freeman the next day when they signed some when they signed OJ Howard. But they've since signed both Mac and Freeman back to their practice squad. So with the new practice squad rules, you could have I think it's like mm-hmm. six veterans. Of any status, I mean, Tennessee signed Josh Gordon, who's 41 years old, and put him on their practice squad. 
He's not really that old. Is he? No, no, no. But we mentioned Trey Sermon and Matt appeared. That was right. all it took is like to, a, to pull him back out. You know, like De- yeah, Denver. Denver did that same thing. They released Josh Johnson, who I, who's he's got to be. He's played. Like, he's thirty four, I think. Yeah, he's played for like fifteen teams. He's back yeah. on the practice squad. I do kind of like that you can keep some of these veterans on the practice squad because then you can keep them in the system. But Matt, were there any? Uh, we mentioned your your crush, Abram Smith, uh, getting released by the Saints. Uh, were there any cuts that uh, cut deep? No, not really. Probably just Abram Smith, and I still think he'll land somewhere. I still think he's a good running back, but no, I don't think any that were super surprising. I mean, we talked about it. I guess it had probably been right around this time last Friday that there were already rumors that Trey Sermon was going to get cut, and then like the next day John Lynch came out and said, no, he's a vital part of our team. So I think we all, none of us really expected him to then all of a sudden be named the starter here for the 49ers. So it wasn't, wasn't super surprising to see him go. I still think he's a you know, probably not a guy you're going to count on for fantasy, but a NFL player. I think obviously, as Dennis just mentioned, kind of he's one of those guys. Once you're in the doghouse with the coach, it's really hard to get out of. Kind of like a Bill Belichick thing. Like once you fumble the ball once on the goal line, your your career is effectively over in the red zone, kind of thing. So I, I feel like we'll get to see something out of him in Philadelphia, but uh, maybe not a guy that we thought he was going to be a couple of years ago when he got or two years ago when he got drafted. Uh, in the uh, what third round by the 49ers, everybody had I didn't, didn't they move up to take him something like that? They did, yeah, yeah. I was promised he was going to be a thousand yard rusher. What gives? Well, uh, before we turn over and start with our rankings, now that we're all here, Dennis, why don't you tell the people what DraftKings has for them? Hold on, I gotta get my Close my thing up a little bit. All right, the wa- the wait is almost over, a new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's see. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, or 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Connecticut and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Visit http 
colon backslash backslash ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 877-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 or over, 18 or over in New Hampshire and Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, and Louisiana, select parishes, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. New customer offer void in New Hampshire, Oregon, Ontario, Canada, 200 in free bets. New customers only, valid one per new customer, minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager, 200 issues is eight $25 free bets, ends 9-19-22 at 8 p.m. Early win, one early win token issued per eligible game, opt-in required, token expires at the start of the eligible game, Minimum money line bet $1. Wagering limits apply. Wagers placed on both sides of the money line will void the bet. You can't game the system. Ends 1 8 23 at 8 p.m. Eastern. See terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football teams. I think it's a reading comprehension test at some point in time. Remember when there was only like four states? that allowed you to do DFS. What a glorious time we live in. All right, looking at our top receivers. Well, if you've joined us with quarterbacks and running backs, we were pretty closely aligned with our top 24, even in positions. There's a few places we're off here and there. That was not the case with wide receiver. Let me tell you, as the person that had to find where we had everyone and try to put them in order, it was a lot more exciting. Um, We each also had one person in the top 24 for us personally that didn't make it uh, in other people's uh, top 24. Uh, For Matt, for you, that was Gabe Davis. You have him all the way up at wide receiver 20. Neither Dennis or I had him in the top 25. What makes you bullish on Davis having a good season? Just what he did last year. I mean, he came on pretty strong at the end of the season. We obviously know how good he was in the playoffs, and I feel like we talked about this a lot lately with Buffalo. It doesn't look like they've lost the step or taken any kind of step back based on what we've seen in the preseason. He's he's clearly targeted him a lot as well. Uh, this preseason, they look like they have the exact same connection they had in the playoffs. So they scored, was it three touchdowns in that playoff game? Like, he he went nuclear, and I expect him to be a really good player again this year. Stefan Diggs can't get all the work. Cole Beasley is gone, and I don't expect it to be, you know, I know Isaiah McKenzie's been playing a little bit in the slot, and they're, they're going to have Khalil Shakir there as well. Uh, and Dawson Knox was really good last year, but I don't know that he necessarily has this big year either. I think it's going to be Gabe Davis. Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder's not going to do anything either. Gabe Davis is is the guy. I mean, he, he's Josh Allen has been talking him up all offseason. They clearly have a good connection. I think he's in for a massive year because, as we talked about on the running back show, you know, they James Cook ain't going to handle the ball 200-plus times a year. Devin Singletary's looked good, but I don't know that he's going to be some major, massive threat in the running game. I think they're going to use him at times, and I do think they want to get away from Josh Allen running the ball when they get down in the red zone. So I, I, I'd be I'd be very surprised if he doesn't finish as a top 24 wide receiver this year. 
You know what's going to be a sneaky play, I think, from Buffalo, Genesis, just since you mentioned Jamison Crowder. Uh, like I said, I don't take a ton away from preseason except for the groupings that you come out with. And when Buffalo played their starters, Singletary, we mentioned, was out there for running backs. Their three wide receiver set was Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Isaiah McKenzie. Jamison Crowder came in with the twos. Uh, my receiver that I have uh, much higher than everyone else is Hunter Renfro. I've mentioned this before. I don't know why I have become a Raiders apologist, but my life has taken a dark turn somewhere. I had him at wide receiver 17. Neither of you guys even had him uh, in the top 30. So I'm alone on an island. I still like Hunter Renfro. I still think there's room for him to get his 128 targets and be pretty productive to be kind of the Wes Walker of that offense. Uh, Dennis... Your guy that didn't quite make it into the top 25, I guess Matt had him in there too, is Terry McLaurin. You're still in on him. I have him just slightly out. What do you like about McLaurin with Wentz? I don't know if I like it with Wentz. I just think McLaurin is a really good uh, wide receiver. He's the top dog there with very little competition for targets. So – you know, there's talk Curtis Samuel is healthy and he's going to get some play. Uh, Jahan Dotson is a rookie and he's going to get some. Uh, the running back position seems to not be working out like they had planned, apparently, when uh, after Brian Robinson got shot. So now they're going to have to go back, at least in the first few weeks, to Antonio Gibson there. So I like McLaurin to be able to, to produce like he's been producing. And while you know you so eloquently pointed out earlier this year that we have this perception of McLaurin being this borderline wide receiver one kind of guy, but he's tip he's really more of a borderline wide receiver two kind of guy. He's in that twenty to twenty-four range more more so. I, I think that he's still gonna get plenty of targets. He still runs a four three forty. He's got good hands he catches he's not known for dropping the ball does body catch probably more than you would like but it works for him so he's he's got a good conversion rate so i i think that uh wentz will hold down the fort until sam howell takes over then it's then it's, then it's fins up man yeah, well, Antonio Gibson, all those lunches that he spent with Tanya Harding finally playing, paying off for him as he goes into the season. Well, number 24 in our consensus is Chicago Bears receiver Darnell Mooney. I had him right at 24. Dennis, you had him at 23. Matt, you had him at 19. He was wide receiver 24, 23, I believe, last year. You think he's going to take a little step up? I do. I mean, we saw him be very effective last year in, in, in my opinion, a worse Chicago Bears offense uh, with whatever was going on. I mean, I, I do. Not, I don't want to say that Matt Nagy is a bad head coach, but I think just the culmination of everything last year just led to a, a bad thing for that team. I think we knew that they were going to probably move on from him. It looked like they needed to move on from him, but. They didn't really have Allen Robinson there last year. I think it's fair to say, I mean, he was there, but he wasn't really there with the way that he was playing. And clearly he did not want to be in Chicago anymore. And Mooney was really the guy. And toward the end of the year, it seemed like defenses were trying to adjust that. He still produced. You've got a second year, Justin Fields, while new offense, new, new coaching staff and everything. But the last two preseason games, Justin Fields looked pretty good. 
Darnell Mooney is going to get heavily targeted. And I think he's a guy that can separate and get open deep a la Chris Olave did for them at Ohio State. And Fields has a beautiful deep ball. Like I would compare it to a what uh, Russell Wilson is able to do with that just like great arching moonshot that just seems to perfectly land in the receiver's hands every time they get open down the field. And I know it wasn't last year, and I don't know the exact stat, but I believe it was two years ago, Darnell Mooney was number one in the NFL in like unrealized air yards, and the fact that he was getting open downfield, but Mitch Trubisky wasn't able to hit him. Justin Fields isn't going to have that problem, and it's going to be him and Komet. So I do. I expect him to get peppered with targets, and when he gets open downfield, I think Justin Fields is going to hit him. I think he's in for a good year. I I like Mooney. I think the – the biggest issue I have is that I think the team is not going to be very good. Um, there's going to be growing pains with a new offense. And I, I want them to be good because, you know, o- OSU, I love Justin Fields. Um, I want him to be successful. I just feel like it's a year early. There's going to be some things that just don't quite click. They've got a, a new offense they're learning. And, and so while – I think Mooney's going to be the one there. I, I I think the offense in general is what's going to hold him back from being uh, too much higher than where we have him as a consensus. It did give me a moment to pause that the Bears claimed Alex Leatherwood, the guy that's given up the most pressures in the NFL the last last year and in the preseason. I'm like, well, that's not the hope we were looking for for our boy, Justin Fields. Number 23 in the consensus is Marquise Hollywood Brown. I had him right at 23. Matt, you had him down at 24. But Dennis, you have him at 18. You're bullish on the connection with Kyler Murray? Uh, I think, you know, if we're looking at season long, I think he's going to get off to a hot start because DeAndre Hopkins is not there. They just they just fed uh, Kyler Murray a bunch of money. They want him to to play well. And while they the perception of them as a passing team is uh, a little higher than what they actually are, uh, I think he's going to get a good enough start, build a good enough connection that even when Hopkins comes back, it's going to be uh, a good connection there. I think the reason I have him somewhat low, I mean, I'm at 15. <coughs> Excuse me. I just don't know how much he's going to get fed the ball once Hopkins comes back. I think that's probably my biggest concern. We know, you know, the great way that he and Murray connected when they were in college. We're not in college anymore. Like, this is the NFL. For also being honest, played in the Big 12 where typically defenses is kind of a rumor for the most part. There's really only a couple schools the past few years and in Oklahoma State and a Baylor who have had really tough defenses who are actually able to cover these wide receivers for the most part. I think that Brown's going to be fine, especially because we talked about, I believe when this trade happened or at some point in time we talked about, it may have been with when we did the Arizona preview that, you know, Hollywood Brown was again, the same thing I mentioned with Mooney, one of those guys who was like always getting open downfield and was just not getting hit accurately with the ball it was like unrealized air yards from Lamar Jackson. He was like the 28th, I think most accurate quarterback going deep, very good in the short air, but going deep, he was not very good. And Kyler Murray was number one with like almost a 60% completion percentage. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was very, very good. And he stood out at number one by a wide margin. So I do think Brown is going to get his deep, 
and I agree with Dennis, like the first half of the season should be really good, but we've also seen struggles with injuries a lot. Second half of the season is when this Arizona team typically starts to fall on its face, whether that's because of coaching or what, we don't know, but they just never seem to have a good offense in the entire second half of these seasons. And Hopkins coming back, I think he's just going to get peppered with targets. We're going to see that, you know, maybe the first six, seven, eight weeks, Brown is sitting there with like a 12-game average, and then it starts to slowly come down every single week and get down to like the six, seven, eight. He has a couple big boom games, but I think he's going to be kind of a high-end wide receiver three when Hopkins comes back. Um, I feel somewhat similar. That's I have him slightly into the top 25. I think if DeAndre Hopkins was playing all season, I might not have had him quite as high. Our next hey, receiver. Question for you. Uh, in best ball, Nico Collins, Wandale Robinson, or Paris Campbell? In the... do, you, do you have to take one? I guess I'm taking Paris Campbell. I'm probably taking Nico. Yeah. <laughs> next up in our consensus, once upon a time, Matt Bruning hated this receiver so much he didn't even rank him. And now that he's been traded to Cleveland, I believe you ranked him twice. Uh, so I went with the top one, but I am starting to wonder now if uh, the next receiver in our consensus, who I don't see you having ranked, uh, should have been there somewhere. But we're talking about Amari Cooper, who we take your pick. Matt ranked him both at 17 and at 25. Dennis, you had him at 21. I had him just out, or I had him outside of my top 25, um, owing largely to my non-belief in Jacoby Brissett. But Matt, you're all back in on Amari Cooper. Possibly. Who's the other guy I didn't rank? I don't see Brandon Cooks. That's probably Brandon Cooks. Brand, <laughs> no, no. No, I do have Cooper that high. Cooper is my 17. Cooks is my 25. Oh, actually, I take it back. Cooks is in there somewhere. You must have okay. just ranked him twice. Probably. Cooks is your 28. You know, he's, he, you know, he's a Cleveland Brown receiver. No, I still... He's going to get peppered the ball. My biggest fear with him is that I just don't know how explosive this Browns offense is going to be, especially with Jacoby Brissett. We know that he is going to be the starter for 11 games. Like he's maybe he comes back and then Watson like helps blow him up. But I still think wide receiver, wide receiver 17, if he finishes that is pretty good. And typically that is where we have seen kind of Cooper finished for the most part when he has his average seasons. He's not really ever been a super high end wide receiver. You know, Dennis just mentioned it with Terry McLaurin. Like we, we value some of these guys. It's like, Oh, they're always finishing as high end wide receivers when they're not necessarily. And especially with the decrease in volume, I think that's, what's going to end up hurting Cooper still will be good. Cause I think he'll be a guy they'll focus on the touchdowns, but I also kind of expect a big step up from David and Joku this year. Uh, and I think that will affect him as well as again, we've, the you go back and look at what Jacoby Brissett did in Indy. Granted, different situation, and everything. He was kind of having to start. I believe the year he got thrust into the starting position was the year that Andrew Luck retired, like a week or two before the season started. Really, kind of threw everybody off. But the best wide receiver he had, I believe, that year was T.Y. Hilton, who finished as wide receiver forty. Or it was yeah, right around wide receiver forty. I think it was lower than that, actually. It may have been, but, and then the next highest was like Zach Pascal with like wide receiver 47. So he's not produced it. And we also know Kevin Stefanski is very much on the train of let's just continually run the ball as much as possible. Anything to add, Dennis? Nope. 
All right, next up in the countdown at wide receiver 21 is Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos. Matt had him at 23. Dennis, you have him at 22. Surprising no one who's listening. I had him the highest at 16. I'm all in. I think he's still the Broncos wide receiver one. How do you guys feel about Sutton? I I, I agree with you. I think he is their wide receiver one. Uh, as I look at the rankings that – it's like who who do you move him down for is sort of where I got to with him. There there's a a lot of really good guys. Like there's a there's clearly a top tier of three and then a second tier of maybe four or five more. But then you get to like that tight end tier at three that's like 15 or 18 guys. And it's like, how am I moving them around? Do I really want to put this one up here or that one up there? Uh, I I think we've got him at uh, 21. It wouldn't surprise me if he finished at 12 or 11 or 10. Yeah, I just I think Russell will spread the ball around a little bit. I could definitely see us being wrong on him and Judy and then end up being what DK and Tyler Lockett were in a more pass-friendly offense and a better team. But uh, for now, I've, I've got him fairly low just because – it's so loaded at wide receiver. I would not be yeah. surprised if a lot of these guys are only separated by six, seven points at the end of the year. That is the thing. I think the reason that we have such a spread at wide receiver is we're trying to narrow down to top 24, but I honestly could go 50 deep and make a case for them being in that top 24 wide receiver. Probably one of the better positions as I've done a few redraft drafts um, to wait on. At wide receiver 20, uh, these two guys, uh, next two guys ended up in a uh, in a tie. First one is Brandon Cooks. Uh, Matt, you did not have him in your top 25. I had him at wide receiver 18. Uh, and Dennis, you had him just a touch higher at 17. What are you looking forward to with Cooks with year two of Davis Mills? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Mills is going to take a little bit of a step. And the Texans – they're being very methodical about what they're doing. Uh, I don't know if it's a good methodical or a bad methodical, but it's methodical nonetheless. And Cooks is clearly the number one there. It looks like they're going to have a top three right now of Cooks, Nico Collins, and Tyler Johnson. And unless Nico or Tyler Johnson take huge leaps this year, um, much like Terry McLaurin in Washington, Cooks is not going to have a lot of target or a lot of competition for targets. Um, I, he's put up a bunch of thousand yard seasons and it's hard to just keep discounting him even when he does it with, you know, average to below average to bad quarterbacks. And, and I think, you know, if Davis Mills can show any growth this year, I think that Cooks will still have a good year. So the next guy who ended up tied uh, with him uh, at wide receiver 1920 is Chris Godwin. Um, I had him at 19. Dennis, you did not quite have him in your top 25. But Matt, you had him up at wide receiver 16. You're bullish on his return from injury. I am. Now, I did find out this morning, obviously, that I guess there's rumors now that he may not be back till late September, which is not great but it's also not a bad thing he may miss a couple weeks of the season i mean last year if i'm remembering correctly like he looked like by far the better wide receiver compared with tom brady before the injury i don't think that changes i mean mike evans i still ranked fairly high this year but i still think he's on the way down he's continued to like 
become more and more of like a two a dot guy of like, he's getting the ball like two yards away from the line of scrimmage. We lose Antonio Brown. Gronk is not there. Like, I feel like Godwin's going to become that guy over the middle of the field that Brady just peppers with targets once he comes back. So while you are going to lose out on a couple of games of him, I think once he's back out there and ready to go, he's going to be targeted heavily every single game. And we know how good he is and can produce once he gets the ball in his hands. Next up in the consensus at wide receiver 18 is Mike Williams. And uh, Matt did not have him in his top 25. Dennis had him at 20. The reason he's so high, I have him at 12. He finished as wide receiver uh, 12 uh, last year. Both he and Keenan Allen were top 12. I still like him a lot. Dennis, you're still on the Mike Williams train? I am. I think he's going to have a really good year. Um, I do think, though, that Josh Palmer is starting to cut into the, the target share there. A little bit. I don't think he's cutting in quite as much as Bruning does, but I do think Palmer's going to have a good year. Actually, Justin Herbert was asked by somebody about, you know, what he thought about the receivers. And to paraphrase his quote, it was something to the effect of Josh Palmer's going to get a lot of targets. And so everyone's going to get a lot of targets. Yeah. Uh, I, I like, uh, I like Williams a lot. He, he plays a specific role in that offense. He's the deep threat. He's a big receiver. Um, he's very productive. Yeah. I'm, I'm sadly excited about apparently every AFC West offense this year, which, you know, they're going to pull my, I won't have to worry about the Broncos fan chats for long. Cause I won't be allowed in them. Uh, next up, we have a couple of guys that came in tied in consensus as well. The first one up is Tyree kill who, uh, did not have, uh, who had the less high of his highest rankings. I have him down at wide receiver 20. Dennis had him at 15. Matt, you have him all the way up at 14. You think he and Tua are going to make magic down in Miami? I don't know if it's going to make magic, but I believe in Mike McDaniel's ability to scheme to scheme the wide receivers of the ball. I think he will get a ton of screens, quick passes. There's no way that... I love Jalen Waddle, and I actually do believe I have Waddle ranked slightly ahead of him, and I do think Waddle ends up having the better year because I think he's going to get more targets. But you don't trade what you trade for Tyreek Hill to then have him be the wide receiver two on your team. I think he's still going to be the main focus of that offense. Now, I don't think he gets these big plays, and I don't think it's as consistent as it was in Kansas City because – Patrick Mahomes could buy more time than Tua, and he really did have that attitude of F it Tyreek's down there somewhere, which I believe he's actually admitted he's said before, and Tyreek Hill can go get the ball. Tua may say F it Tyreek's down there somewhere, and then he's going to be able to throw it like 30 yards, and I don't know that Tyreek Hill's going to be able to go get it like he was when it was like an 80-yard bomb down the field for Patrick Mahomes, and nobody can keep up with Tyreek Hill, but I think... Mike McDaniel is going to do a really good job of scheming him the ball early and often that he's going to produce because he is a player that wants the ball and is in his hands. He legitimately can score from anywhere on the field, and he will do that at times for Miami. Next up in the countdown is T. Higgins, another guy coming from a loaded offense. Uh, Matt, you had him at 18. I had him down at 21. Dennis, you have him at wide receiver 10. You're a believer in the Bengals pass offense. I'm a believer in the Bengals offense all around. Um, I, I think that uh, Chase and Higgins both finish in the top 10, top 12 this year. Uh, the guy that suffers for that is going to be Tyler Boyd. Uh, I think Boyd, as good as he is at what he does, is going to kind of be the forgotten man. He's going to have some good games, but he's going to have some disappearing games. 
but Higgins is gonna gonna produce. I was, you know, I was trying to figure out how many times has a team had a, a pair of wide receivers finish as top twelve fantasy assets. Well, let me tell you, in the past ten years, it's been eleven times, um, and and those uh, those eleven duos, it was. Uh, Jefferson and Thielen in 2020, Metcalf and Lockett in 2020, Thielen and Diggs in 18, uh, uh, um, Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster in 18, Marvin Jones Jr. and Golden Tate in 17. What a pair. Stafford is the man. Yeah. Um, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders in 14, Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb in 14, Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker in 13, Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey uh, in 13, Thomas and Give it up for Jay Cutler, smoking Jay Cutler. Tom, in five games of Josh McCown, uh, Thomas and Decker in 12, and Roddy White and Julio Jones in 2012. And when I kind of did the math, it ended up that, so last year, Joe Burrow averaged 23 completions and 288 yards per game. Uh, and the, those all the other quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, Jay Cutler, they averaged 22.7 completions per game. So just slightly under what Burrow did. And... 264 yards per game. They averaged on the season 36 touchdowns. Burrow had 34 last year. So I think the offense in Cincinnati is going to take a leap, and I think that's going to allow Higgins, and we know how explosive Chase is. And Burrow had the highest completion percentage of all of those quarterbacks on all of those seasons. So, yes, I think T. Higgins is going to ball out finish in the top 12 next season, this, this season. Uh, and last year you missed on uh, your countdown. It was uh, Justin Herbert supporting two top 12 receivers because Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams were both in there. Uh, I, I, for some, I didn't see that when I looked, but I must've looked over it, overlooked it. Uh, but Matt is projecting a different team to have two receivers in the top 10 this year. And that leads us to our next receiver in the countdown, which is wide receiver 15, Allen Robinson. Dennis didn't have him top 25. I had him right at 13 on the cusp. Matt, you have him at nine. You are bullish on the Rams. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that was mentioned right there by Dennis was Matt Stafford's already done this, and I think he's going to easily do it again. He's got Cooper Cup, who was one of the best, you could argue, now, based on the stats and the records that he broke, had one of the best receiving seasons you're, you're going to see. Granted, he did have the extra game, which does help. But Allen Robinson going over there, we've already seen at times last year that he was still a very productive wide receiver when he was kind of integrated in. Everything we've heard from L.A. is that he's fit right in. Him and Matt Stafford have become like best friends. They're eating together. They're positive. They're having sleepovers. I was say they were sleeping together, and then that was going to sound really bad, depending on how you took that. So they're having sleepovers. Let's together. just cut that clip, though. They're they're hanging out all the time. They're going to become best friends. So imagine the scene from Step Brothers when they both realized Velociraptors and John Stamos. That's what they did when they first arrived at the LA Rams team. I just think he's in for a massive season. He's the best quarterback he has ever played with. And I don't think Robinson's done. I still think he's an incredibly good wide receiver. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does this year. And I think he's in for a great year, top 12. 
Another guy, Matt, that you have way higher than uh, the rest of us is the next up in the countdown, and that is Deontay Johnson, who comes in at wide receiver 14. I have him down at 22 because I remember that Mitch Trubisky is his quarterback. Dennis is a little more bullish at 13, but you have him all the way up at wide receiver 8. Still a true believer? I am because last I checked, while Mitch Trubisky is not a great quarterback, he is better than Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. And when both of those guys were quarterbacks, uh, ooh, I'm going to call him Josh Tomlin. Josh Tomlin was a pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, now the Cleveland Guardians. Mike Tomlin, when they had that offense, still produced fairly good fantasy-wide receivers, and I think Deontay Johnson is going to be that guy. We clearly think, at least I think, they don't believe in Chase Claypool. That's why they go and draft George Pickens. I don't think that Pickens is quite ready to take that massive step forward this year to be the guy. I think it's going to be Deontay Johnson. He's going to get peppered with targets. And I also think that we're going to see Kenny Pickett fairly early. Uh, he had really two really good preseason games. All the reports are in the last couple of weeks of camp that he was playing really good. I would not be surprised if we see Mitch Trubisky sat early and Kenny Pickett thrown out there. And I think that only boost up Deontay Johnson even more. Next up, uh, wide receiver 13 in the consensus just on the cup of wide receiver one in our consensus is Jalen Waddle. Matt, you're the highest. You have him at 12. I have him at 15. Dennis, you had him at 16. You are also the only one of the three of us that has him below Tyree Killer. You have them back-to-back at 15 and 16. Matt and I have talked about our uh, belief in Jalen Waddle this year. What are you expecting from Miami's pass offense? I think Miami's going to have a pretty good pass offense. They've surrounded Tua with weapons that are great at catch and run. It plays to his strengths of accuracy. Um, but I just think that as good as Jalen Waddle is, Tua just uh, or uh, Tyreek is just a little bit uh, more of a nose for the end zone. So I kind of, I mean, to be fair, I've got them back to back. So it's really a coin flip. It, it isn't like they're separated by, you know, three slots or anything. Um, Maybe three but, receptions. Yeah. It, and it could, it could literally be a touchdown uh, that separates them. They're two very, very explosive receivers. And, and I, I like Jalen Waddle a lot. I am a little concerned that he's had this mystery injury, surgery, something or other going on. And, and he's supposed to be fine, but you know, when they're not, when they're giving you the it's a mystery talk, you, you start to uh, you get a little bit nervous. And not that he's going to have a, a, a Mike Thomas lost season kind of mystery injury, but you, you just want to make sure that they're out there. Next up at wide receiver 12 is DJ Moore, the new top target for Baker Mayfield. Uh, Dennis and I had him at 14. Matt, you're slightly higher at 13. How are you feeling about more with Baker in town? Great. Uh, they It seems like he's really picked up that offense in Baker Mayfield. Ben McAdoo, we've seen when he has a wide receiver at one, they will target him heavily, and I do expect them to do that. When they actually let Baker throw the ball in Cleveland, he was good. They just really wanted to run the ball around him, and what I do think is going to help out DJ Moore a ton is having a healthy Christian McCaffrey back. With them having Christian McCaffrey, defenses have to respect McCaffrey and what he could do if they do run a very heavy RPO offense. Defenses are going to have to start accounting for that, which likely then puts DJ more one-on-one matchups, which I think he's going to win more often than not. If you go look at what he's done in his career, if he really just had a few more touchdowns every single year, he would be 
one of the best finishing. I don't know they would get into the top 12 every single year, but he'd be right around this range every single year. But he's just been really unfortunate with, with unlucky getting, not getting touchdowns. I think he's got four in his career, which is insane to say for such a talented wide receiver. I think that they're going, they're going to try and force him the ball at times. Cause again, while none of us may think that's what Baker does. Yeah, right. <laughs> not that not that any of us think that rule is a good head coach but he's coaching for his job right now he is trying to win games i mean it, it, you know who baker's number one receiver in carolina is you've seen it all training camp it's shy smith shy smith's not gonna start so he's gonna have to find somebody else maybe it'll be lavisca uh, next up in the <laughs> countdown at wide receiver 11 is one of the players that's pretty far up high, but was very polarizing among our rankings. And that's Debo Samuel. Matt had him all the way down at wide receiver 23. I had him at nine. Dennis, you had him at eight. You're still believing even with Trey Lance in town. I mean, somebody's got to catch the ball and be a part-time runner of the ball. And, you know, that's Debo Samuel's role. Uh, you know, there's just at some point, it's easy to sit here and say coaches are idiots and they don't know what they're doing. But they were very comfortable letting Jimmy Garoppolo go. Uh, they weren't going to give him away for nothing. It really, I think the whole thing that held up Garoppolo leaving the team was the injury and the surgery, and nobody would pay for an injured quarterback coming off of a surgery. And so they were waiting it out and waiting it out and waiting it out. And it just got to the point where, um, you know, they can say all they wanted about all they want about how they're happy to have him there and him and uh, Lance have a great relationship. They just weren't going to let him go to Seattle and inside the division. And so they, they basically were like, we're, we'll keep you. It's good insurance just in case, but I think they they have a plan for what they want to do with Lance. They've been working at it since last year. It seems like they purposely, you know, they started to use Lance a couple times last year, and then they held him back so they could just, you know, they were competitive and they had Garoppolo, and they just didn't want to screw him up and put him in a bad position. I'd like to think that having been working in this offense for a year, He's going to be able to execute what they need to execute. And they're going to have a really good running game as well. Another one that you were slightly higher than Matt is our wide receiver 10, which is A.J. Brown. Matt did not have him in the top 12, had him at 15 as he goes to the Eagles. I had him at 11. You had him at 12. No fear of him going over with Jalen Hurts? Um, I, I think there there's some fear because – it's a low volume offense, but we've seen Brown produce in a low volume offense for his entire career. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch. I think Hertz wants to be a better passer. Uh, he works hard at being a better passer. The one thing I've always questioned with him is his anticipation. Um, maybe it works out and he's still there in a couple years. Maybe he flames out and he's not. But I don't think you can question just how good A.J. Brown is. He's He did, walked in, and he's the number one wide receiver uh, 
in Philadelphia. There, there, it isn't a question of, oh, well, they've got uh, Devonta Smith. Yeah, and so what? Oh, they've got uh, Dallas Goddard. And yeah, so what? A.J. Brown is the number one there. It's no question. Next up in the countdown at wide receiver nine is Michael Pittman. Matt and I made the right decision and had him at 10. Dennis, you had him way down at wide receiver 11. Shame on you. But Matt, magic for Pittman and Matt Ryan. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about many times. Now, granted, take this this stat here with a little bit of a grain of salt because Matt Ryan did have a player named Julio Jones, who I'm told was pretty good at football most of his career with him. But every single year, Matt Ryan has been a QB in the NFL. He has produced a top 12 wide receiver. I don't think that's going to be Paris Campbell, even though Dennis just asked us about drafting him in a best ball situation earlier. I don't think it's going to be my guy, Alex. I don't think it's going to be Alec Pierce, who I do think could end up having still a very good season. It's going to likely be Michael Pittman Jr. He is a a talented wide receiver, likely would have had an extremely impressive rookie season had he not had that compact leg uh, syndrome and where he had to go and get that surgery. Well, there was talks about him not even being able to come back and play football again. He came back that year and kind of really broke out at late and toward the back of his rookie year. I think he would have had a great rookie season had that not happened. I think he's in for a ton of volume this year and likely going to be a, I would not be surprised if we're too low on him. And as Matt mentioned, I have him at 10 uh, as does he and Dennis, I mean, has him at 11. I would not be surprised if he finishes higher than that. Uh, but I felt like that was a fair place to kind of rank him within the, the wide receivers ahead of him. Next up in the countdown at wide receiver eight is Mr. Thousand Yards, Mike Evans. Matt has him down at 11. I have him up at eight. Dennis, you're the highest at seven. Are you excited about what we're about to see from Mike Evans? Yeah, we're going to see another thousand yard season with the zombie quarterback. Um, Chris Godwin is coming back uh, a little. He's you know, He kind of is. Maybe he isn't. How uh, effective is he going to be? Julio looks great, but when's he going to break? Will Russell Gage step up? The one constant in Tampa is Mike Evans. He's going to get touchdowns. He's going to get yards. Uh, you know, 75, 11, and 10 coming in. 1,110 coming in. Next up in the order at wide receiver seven is C.D. Lamb. Matt and I have him at seven. Dennis, you have him at six. I take it we're all excited about C.D. Lamb's potential now that Amari Cooper has gone and Michael Gallup has yet to return. I mean, he's a, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing, just so we're clear. So he won't play like a lamb. Next up at wide receiver six is Keenan Allen. I had him at six. Dennis had him at nine. Matt, you have him all the way up at five. You believe he is the man for Justin Herbert? I do. I mean, he's one of the best. You could argue the best route runner in the NFL right now. As long as he stays healthy, we've seen Allen is going to consistently produce for you. And I think it's going to be him again over Mike Williams. I know you guys had him high. I did not. Um, I do think, as Dennis mentioned, Josh Palmer will be here. Josh Palmer's not eating into Keenan Allen at all. Like, Keenan Allen is the guy. Those two have a great connection. I'm expecting another massive year for Keenan Allen. Next up at wide receiver five is Stefan Diggs, the top target for Josh Allen. And Matt, you had him at wide receiver six. Dennis and I had him at wide receiver five. You excited about what we're going to see from Diggs again, Dennis? I am. Uh, Diggs has a shot to be the wide receiver one. I mean, if he was, I don't think anybody would question it. They'd be like, yeah, of course, why not? 
Um, and given the passing volume that they have in Buffalo, I know I had Davis ranked fairly low, uh, but it it could just as easily be Diggs and Davis in the top 12 as it is Chase and Higgins. Next up at wide receiver four, we have Justin Jefferson. Matt had him at four. Dennis, you and I had him at three. What are you excited about with D- Justin Jefferson? You know, I know a lot of the talk coming out of LSU is all about Jamar Chase, but all Justin Jefferson has done is put up gaudy numbers. Uh, I think the passing volume is going to be a little bit higher in Minnesota than it's been the last couple of years under uh, uh, Dinosaur Zimmer. And, <laughs> I mean, he's the he's a bona fide superstar wide receiver. He catches a lot of passes, he gets a lot of yards, and he gets touchdowns. It's, you know, he's, when I talked earlier about there being a tier of three, he's one of the three. Next up at wide receiver three is Devontae Adams. I was the highest at wide receiver two. I'm very bullish on uh, the pass offense for the Raiders. Dennis had him down at four. Matt, you had him at wide receiver three. No concerns going over from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr? No, uh, despite what Cooper Cup did last year and and honestly, Jamar Chase and what he showed us last year, I still think Devonta Adams is the best wide receiver in the league. And we've seen Amari Cooper was this household name because of actually Derek Carr in this Raiders offense. It was not because of when he went to Dallas. Now, Dallas and Dak Prescott helped that. I think he's going to be targeted heavily. They've got no one on that roster that's going to challenge him like Hunter Renfro. What if Hunter Renfro finishes like a what a top eight wide receiver last wide year? Wide receiver eleven. Wide receiver eleven. Like he can't hold Devontae Adams jockstrap when it comes to actually being a wide receiver. And he Derek Carr put Hunter Renfro as wide receiver eleven. Devontae Adams is there. Like he's going to have a massive season. The only reason I did not put him as wide receiver one is I think it's fair to say. He's not. He's going to have some touchdown regression now that he's not in Green Bay. He will not get targeted in the red zone. I would think the way Aaron Rodgers did. Like Aaron Rodgers was in the red zone. It was Devontae Adams. Devontae. Devontae. It was Devontae Adams. That was all that he looked for in the red zone. I don't know that Derek Carr does that. Yep, 184 vacated targets in Las Vegas from receivers that are no longer there. Um, that's more than enough for Devontae Adams. Wide receiver two uh, that we have uh, in our consensus rankings is Jamar Chase. Uh, I had him down at four. Matt and Dennis had him at two. Dennis, you mentioned you're excited about Cincinnati. How does that impact Chase? Well, I want to know, why do you hate Jamar Chase, Matt? I mean, you have him all the way at number four. Uh, I think Chase is going to have a phenomenal year. He he is um, uh, he's a, a scoring machine. He makes big plays. It's uh it, it's he's the number one there. I think Higgins is going to have a great year, but Jamar Chase is the number one there. And then our number one uh, consensus, all three of us had him at number one. Little Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup had a record-setting year last year, Matt. Um, what can he do for non-core? Not have a record-breaking season, but I think it'll still be fairly good. I, I don't know that he <clears throat> even comes close to what he did last year because I do think Allen Robinson is going to seriously eat into 
his touchdowns and probably some of his yards, but I still think Cooper Cup's going to be targeted a ton. He's going to be the check down guy. He's going to be the guy that Matt Stafford's looking with at number one. That's going to be the guy that he goes to. Expect him to still get a ton of catches, over 100 receptions, plus probably, what did he have last year, 1,600 receiving yards? So I think it takes a little bit of a dip in that and some touchdowns to Allen Robinson, but at the end of the day, he's still going to be your top wide receiver. All right. Well, before we get out of here, we wanted to just give you our top 10 uh, tight ends as we're going through. As Dennis has mentioned before, there's kind of an elite uh, cream of the crop at the top of tight end and then a wide range of options beyond that. And I think some of our rankings uh, reflect that. But we're going to look at the top 10 guys on our consensus. And number 10 is one that Matt and I are more bullish on, which is Pat Fryermuth. I have him way up at seven. Dennis had him down at 12. Matt, what are you looking for with Pat Fryermuth this year? I mentioned earlier that I don't think Mitch Trubisky starts the full season, and we've heard this anywhere and everywhere when they talk about football. A tight end is a young quarterback's best friend. I think that Deontay Johnson is going to be the one. I think Pat Fryermuth is going to be the two until Pickens really kind of comes on into this offense. He was their red zone threat last year, and we've honestly seen all the way back to the likes of Heath Miller that the Steelers tight end can be very valuable for fantasy. Pat Fryermuth, had he not come out in the same draft class as Kyle Pitts, we would be talking about as like almost a unicorn-type tight end with how good he is athletically, both blocking and as a receiving tight end. I just think he's going to continue to be a focal point of the Steelers' offense, which we've seen regardless of who's that quarterback, as I mentioned earlier, whether it's a Mason Rudolph-Duck Hodges-type year with Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky, which I don't expect them to be that bad. They still had valuable fantasy players, and I think Pat Fryermuth will do that this year for me. Number nine in our consensus is uh, the man in Detroit, TJ Hawkinson. Dennis, you had him ranked right up there at tight end eight. What are you looking for out of Hawkinson with Jared Goff this year? I think Hawkinson is kind of, he's sort of turning into the top of that second tier kind of player. Uh, He's reliable. He's good uh, at going both ways. He isn't as athletic as, say, George Kittle. And I think that's starting to show. And so he's sort of dropped down away from, I think a year ago, people were saying he's a, he's a top five tight end. I think he's probably in that five to eight or nine range now. Uh, you know, he's a good tight end. He's blo- he doesn't come off the field when they need blocking. Uh, he can get open. He catches the ball well. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a, a reliable option uh, for Jared Goff. He He's well uh, he plays well enough that he's where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there, and that's comforting for a quarterback. Next up in our consensus at number eight is Zach Ertz. What has Ertz meant to Kyler Murray there, Matt, in Arizona? Well, we saw to the back end of the year he was very productive, and I honestly think he's going to end up being DeAndre Hopkins for Murray for the first six games while Hopkins is out. He's going to be that reliable possession type quote unquote receiver for Kyler Murray that when he can't go deep to Hollywood Brown he's going to check down to Zach Ertz I know he's getting older and he's a guy that in dynasty leagues I probably only think is going to be good for the next couple years but with that Arizona offense that we saw the first couple games and I cannot remember his name um Max Max Williams. Williams yes Max Williams was like really good and then unfortunately had the serious injury Zach Ertz is a better tight end than Max Williams. Like They want to use the tight end in this offense. They've never had a weapon like Zach Ertz. Again, I think he's in for a really good year. 
Dennis, next up uh, at tight end seven is Dawson Knox. You have him all the way up at tight end five. We know Matt was uh, bullish on Gabe Davis' role in Buffalo. Are you seeing a big uptick for Knox? I am. I I think he's going to continue to grow. He's going to take another step. He's a very good in the red zone. A, another two-way tight end after I, I think he caught four passes in college at Mississippi with, um, you know, Demarcus Lodge and – uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown there. Hi, Bob. Um, I think uh, Knox is in Knox. If Knox ended up as the tight end one, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think maybe his ceiling is probably more like the tight end two, though, just because I don't think Knox will get near the volume of, say, Kelsey or Pitts. But Knox, Knox could have 10, 12 touchdowns this year. Bob Miller pops up, says he loves Zach Ertz this year. I think we're all kind of on the same train having him up there, a real renaissance for him. Next up at tight end six is Darren Waller. Dennis and I both had him in the same place at tight end six. Matt, any concerns for you about his volume with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro there? A little bit, um, because I do think he's now going to be the third option in this offense. I think it's going to be Devontae Adams, then Hunter Renfro, then Darren Waller. The good thing that will help out Darren Waller is he's likely going to win his matchups again. I mean, wide receiver that moved to tight end. We've seen how productive he can be, and I still think that Derek Carr will target him frequently, but I'm just not expecting a top three type, top four type season from him anymore. He's aging as well. He's going to be, I think, fairly, at the end of the year when we look at the targets, I think Devontae Adams is going to be a huge separator, then Hunter Renfro, and then another tear down before you get to Darren Waller. Number five in our consensus is Dallas's tight end, Dalton Schultz. I am the highest by, on him by far. I have him at tight end three. He was tight end three last year. I have mentioned before I really like uh, the potential setup of him and C.D. Lamb being the kind of top two guys there in Dallas, reminiscent of those Des Bryant, Jason Witten glory days. Uh, next up, tight end four on our consensus list is George Kittle. Dennis, what do you think George Kittle does this year for the 49ers? I think he brings the heat. He's, you know, he is, there's not a lot of tight ends in the game that can take it 75 yards. Kittle is one of those guys, um, but he's on the field all the time. He catches when it's thrown to him. He's probably, he's probably going to be pushing uh, Brandon Ayuk as the third target uh, for the second to be second in targets on the team. Um, they know they can count on him. He's established. He's going to be, you know, we we want to talk about Pat Fryermuth being a safety blanket. Well, I think uh, San Francisco has a little bit better offensive line, and Kittle will be even a bigger safety blanket for Lance than Fryermuth for Pickett. Number three on the countdown is Kyle Pitts. Matt, what are you expecting in year two from Kyle Pitts? I mean – what can't the guy do? I mean, that was a thousand, what, 800. I'm sorry, I almost said a thousand yard, 800 yard rookie tight end receiver last year. 
He goes in. I, in my opinion, he's now in a better spot than he was last year. With I mean, they lose Calvin Ridley obviously fairly early on last year, and then they bring in Drake London, who I think is going to be a very good wide receiver opposite of him. That they got call those two the twin towers with how big they are. And the difference is, if you were to watch the two of those guys race and run, you would probably think that Kyle Pitts is the one who's actually wide receiver with how well he moves, and you would be wrong in that assumption. It's actually Drake London. Kyle Pitts is a Julio Jones type receiver playing the tight end position. My only fear is that defenses will completely scheme toward him and just say, we'll let anybody else but Kyle Pitts beat us. But he's amazing. That's why we were so excited about him coming out of uh, college. He's just, he's going to change the game at the tight end position. I think as long as he stays healthy, he has a chance to be like that Travis Kelsey type tight end where we're talking about him. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years in his career just continuing to dominate at the tight end position because of how good he is as a receiving option. So what I just heard you say is buy Olamide Zacchaeus. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you read into what I said, you go ahead. I, I would imagine you'll be able to get him fairly cheap. As in free. Uh, I'm going to take our last two guys uh, together so that we can all kind of give our thoughts. Number two, we had Travis Kelsey. Number one, we had Mark Andrews. I think we've seen as we've gone across our rankings in these positions, the respect we have for the guys that did incredible things last year. One of those, Mark Andrews, who is the tight end one. We've all expressed our thoughts uh, about whether he can do it again. Dennis, I'll start with you first. What separates Andrews and Kelsey, and what are you expecting from these guys? Uh, it depends on what day it is because I think I've swapped them back and forth 700 times waiting for this episode. Um, Kelsey and Andrews are both probably going to lead their teams in targets. Um, on the upside for Kelsey is his team is going to throw more, um, but Andrews is going to have a giant target share. Uh, I don't think that Baltimore has done as much to put players around Andrews, you know, they've got Rashad Bateman and then it's, uh, you know, DuVernay and Prochet. And uh, I, I'm not even sure what veterans they brought in, at least in Kansas city, we've got a, and I, you know, they went out and got a highly rated rookie in um, Sky Moore. They brought in Juju Smith Schuster. They still have Nicole Hardman, uh, not guys that you're expecting this year, to put up a hundred catches and 1200 yards, but they're, they're trying to put guys around Kelsey. I think that the way the teams are set up, Kelsey is probably what split the hair for me was I think Kelsey is going to get a lot more defensive attention than Andrews. Andrews will still get some. Uh, he's going to be the, the one of the weapons they're trying to target, but I think Lamar Jackson then has some different tools in his toolbox to be able to do different things to the defense versus uh, Mahomes. Mahomes is substantially better passer than, than uh, Jackson. Uh, to me, honestly, it could be the other way, and I, I wouldn't argue against it. 
Yeah, Kelsey is easily my tight end one. Um, I did not get a chance to put my rankings in. I probably would have affected things a little bit because I would not have had Mark Andrews too either. I think we're overrating a little bit what he did last year. Very good tight end. I don't think he's going to be a top three tight end this year. I Actually, if I had to give mine, I would have it Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, then Mark Andrews. If you go back and look at what Mark Andrews did last year, it's not a knock on him. He was my top tight end when he came out. A lot of people had Hayden Hurst because he went ahead of him in the first round. I did not. Mark Andrews was the guy that I wanted at that, that class. But last year, Mark Andrews was on pace again for another 800-yard receiving year. It was not until actually Lamar Jackson got hurt, and I always forget what the backup's name is. Uh, Tyler Huntley. When Huntley came in, if you go look at what Mark Andrews did after that point, he was hyper-targeted and finished with an average of 150 receiving yards in those games. He boosted all the way up to having this massive season because of multiple 100-plus yard receiving games and multiple touchdowns in those games as well. I believe there was one game where he had three or four receiving touchdowns from Tyler Huntley. He was not getting that kind of volume from Lamar Jackson, and People say, okay, well, hey, they don't have anybody there. Guys, newsflash, they haven't had anybody in Baltimore since I can remember. They, they've they not had a good wide receiver opposite him. They're not going to now either. He's still, I don't think, going to get targeted that. He's going to get targeted heavily, but he's not going to be a guy who's going to get targeted the way that he was when Huntley was in there because they didn't have anybody else. I still think Bateman's going to be a huge part of that offense. And I just think ever, all those other tight ends are just going to be bigger factors in their offense. And Kelsey, I do have a little bit of fear there with him, as Dennis just mentioned. Now, I do think in a way he has benefited from having guys like Tyreek Hill in that offense where defenses were clearly going to try and scheme for Tyreek Hill. Not that they weren't for Kelsey, but go after that now. Kelsey is the guy they're going to scheme for but I think the one thing that helps Kelsey is those two have such a great connection and chemistry that anytime Mahomes breaks out of the pocket if you go look at it it was actually Kelsey more often than Tyreek that got the ball when Mahomes was breaking the pocket because Kelsey also knows where to move with Mahomes and he was just closer to the line of scrimmage he's going to have a good year because I think he's going – I would not be surprised if he's the heaviest targeted tight end out of all of them in the NFL, which then likely means he's going to produce because we know volume is king in fantasy. Yeah, I think the only thing that uh, I would add is both those guys are going to have good seasons, and um, if you're looking at redraft, I'm not taking either of them because I've seen both in the redrafts I've done and even some of the redraft mocks going in the first round, and I would much rather get a Dalton Schultz or a George Kittle uh, later where you can get them at, you know, and get the kind of production because you're betting a lot if you're taking draft, I've seen Kelsey go even in regular kind of redraft PPR leagues as early as pick number eight. And I just think I would, I would probably not do that. Uh, but that gets through our rankings. Uh, hope everybody is going to have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday starting live at 6 Eastern, a little bit earlier than normal. And we are going to be drafting live. A big thanks to the uh, nine other folks who are in our official show, Redraft League. We will be kicking off the draft. It is not a mock draft Monday. It is just a draft Monday. We will be ringing out Labor Day with a live draft. Then on Wednesday, you will get to hear our fearless, 
Dallas uh, playoff predictions. I will let these guys know. I already have a couple of bold predictions from my championship games. Uh, and then it will be a good episode for us to listen to again in March and have a good laugh. Uh, and then Friday, week one preview. Week one is uh, just a few days away. Uh, before we get out of here, Dennis, what should the people do? They should rate and they should review. Hit that five-star button and tell us why you love us. Because we're spe- Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle them a point yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>